and thank you for listening to Let the Right Films In, your podcast, the IMDb 250. Once again, we actually mean that this time. It's very exciting. <laughs> We're going to have to stop making that joke soon. <laughs> no. <laughs> if there is one thing we do consistently, it's take bits too far for way too long. They're always funny. Uh, I am, of course, am your host, despite the fact that I, I really didn't think they'd let someone like me have a microphone. But here I am. I'm Tyler Hannon. More importantly, I am joined today by both of my co-hosts, Kayla and Ange, right beside me. Hello. Laura Melisi, out hey. in somewhere else. I am in West Virginia. Okay. You know, I really had actually forgotten where you lived. So <laughs> now I know. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have two homes, so it gets confusing. This is a great way to introduce someone on a podcast, right? Like, <laughs> this is so Lauren. I don't know where she lives. <laughs> And with here. Lauren, we're glad to have you back. It's been like two episodes without you. And oh Kayla God. has totally embarrassed us on both of them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, just one of them. <laughs> I was pretty jazzed about the last one. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but the less said about the A24 hashtag. Hashtag A24 no, sweatshirt no, for LTRFI. <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault. I did that. I brought it up. Moving past that. Are we just also going to pronounce it A24 going forward? So is that's that going to be our bit now? So now that I'm thinking about it, that's not actually how you're supposed to say it. But I feel like in spelling out the hashtag, like I know that it's A24, but like in spelling out the hashtag so that our fans... I should have spelled out the actual hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is not what we're here to talk about today. If you want to go back and find out what we're talking about with the hashtag, you can go ahead and do that. That was a fun episode previewing the year. But today... We are talking about one Christopher Nolan film, Memento. But not yet. First, we're going to go over some things we've watched recently, starting with Lauren, newly discovered to be in West Virginia. <laughs> Lauren, what have you watched recently? Um, so because I'm garbage, I just started Stranger Things Season 2. After my students shamed me for it uh, in class, like you have a tattoo and you haven't seen it yet, I'm like I I don't have time. But now I'm like allowing myself to like watch one episode of something every day because self love, self care. Um, and then I saw the post, which was really, 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 really good. I thought it was going to be not good. I was I was gonna I thought it was gonna be one of those boring like serious like films where it's just a bunch of like old people running around and they have some crisis. Uh, which is what my parents love to watch and what I'm just kind of like, eh. but it was actually so good. I cried. I couldn't believe I cried during a newspaper movie. That is actually reassuring to hear because I was pretty convinced that the post was like mega Oscar bait only. But they did bring on talented people to do the, the Oscar bait. It was just all the most obvious names. True. I think we were so bored by the construction of it. We kind of we wrote it off. I didn't give it a chance. Yeah. I still haven't given it a chance. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Lauren was the only one brave enough. Yeah. Lauren is the yeah. true cinephile on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I will now collect my <laughs> awards. <laughs> but you skipped right over Stranger Things. What do you think of Stranger Things oh, season two? So I have only watched two episodes, and so I haven't gotten to like why everyone was so upset yet. I was to say, this seems kind of nice. You're going to be watching like post-hype after like the backlash and the backlash to the backlash. You're just going in clean. You can watch at your own pace and feel at your own feel. Like, pace. Yeah, feel at my own feel. 
Is that what you yep. just said? I don't know what the version of paste is for food. So, <laughs> yeah. it better. I don't know. It, it so far, it inspired me to take all my friends to an arcade slash bar last night. So, in spirit of that first episode. It's so, awesome, and I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the post, best picture, clearly. Oh my god. Uh I I honestly think that the Shape of Water is probably going to win. Like, do I think that like it in my if I if it was me voting, no, but just because just 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 it's just my like my gut feeling. Um, because it has everything. It has all the things. Everything you could probably like ever like or want is in it. But there are a lot there are also a lot of problems with the film. But it just, I just, once we, like, wa- were done watching it, I looked at my mom and I was like, I don't know what we just watched, but I think it's going to win Best Picture. <laughs> she was like, I feel the exact same way. And then we just, like, kept recreating that scene. Have, wait, have you guys seen it? I'm actually going to see it on Monday, so not oh, okay. yet. I am very okay. curious what scene you're about to mention. Where, where she's trying to explain that the fish dude has a dick. Oh, <laughs> She makes that like hand gesture. My mom and my sister and I have been doing that at each other like at all times. We're on FaceTime and we're just like, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag this fish fox. This fish fox. show them man. opening up now, you know, like emotionally. I'm just like, you know, like I'm feeling really hand motion today. Yeah, Kayla, spoilers, the fish fox. I'm sorry. I, I know this. We had it, we talked about fish dick for like an entire 15 minutes on the Call Me By Your Name episode. We said this, the, the best part is we mentioned right before the podcast, oh yeah, this is not going to be explicit or weird. It's <laughs> not our fault that the fish dick movie exists and is going to win Best Picture. I feel like you could call Call Me By Your Name like the Peach Jizz movie. Yeah, that's entirely true. I think we literally had this conversation. This I think is just I, summing up the last two weeks of the podcast. I think now. I actually on that um, I said this peach fucks on that episode. So. <laughs> I should have just like, pulled them. Made it, uh, I mean, if people want to buy t-shirts from us, sure. But uh, <laughs> hashtag buy t-shirts. F. No, no, no. We don't even have t-shirts. You can't do that. You can't hashtag everything. A twenty four make t-shirts no, or LTR. No. <laughs> Before movie, we are wonderful. We're, We're doing a good job. Post. All right. Post. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know how I feel every time you derail. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Like, oh wait, no. I was gonna say again. I haven't done that in ages, but that's a lie. You just edited it out. No, I one. I left it in. I just really I didn't. Mean... I talked over you while you were doing it. Yeah, it was That's I, impressive. I, I actually I actually enjoyed that bit. It was a fun little bit. You know, you should go back and listen to the last episode. I listened. I listened for the bloopers, but there was only one. So I mean, I usually only pull the bloopers if they're out of context. Know, if it's I funny love, stuff in the I episode. Love the bloopers. <laughs> anyway, there sorry. are bloopers in the episode. The episode is just a series of bloopers. That's, you're not wrong. This should be cut out and put in the bloopers. This is totally irrelevant. <laughs> We're is, way off track. This is out. great. All right, <laughs> Lauren, I'm so sorry. Do you have any more great points to make about fish, dick, post, <laughs> or Stranger Things? <laughs> no one, fu- no one fucks in the post. So it's a very wholesome PG-13 movie you can watch with the whole family. Yes, good, good endorsement. Oh, and uh, oh my god, Tyler's dead. (laughs) (laughs) And Bob Odenkirk is in it. He's like the unsung hero of the post. That man is so beautiful. Oh my god, so good. Oh, 
Love oh, him yeah. so much. He's finally getting his own movie. That's all I care about right now. I still want him to play Grown Up Richie and Hit, but that's, uh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. I, think, I think he'd be great. I don't know if he can do impressions, but he can talk like no one else. He is. Uh, he used to be an SNL writer in the Chris Farley days. He won Emmys for that. He should win Emmys for everything he does, even the movies. I, I, oh, I know. I love him. Okay, I'm sorry. I could sob about this for a while. <laughs> I, we went off on uh, Shape of Water tangents. Um, <laughs> I think a Bob Odenkirk tangent will be much more family friendly and PG-13 and good for the whole family to listen to. Uh, unfortunately, we ruined it preemptively. But Kayla, <laughs> do you have anything to say about Bob Odenkirk? Um, I appreciate how much you guys love him. <laughs> all right well I, I, you I don't get to recently watch now i don't think i've seen enough stuff like really with him in it if i'm being 100 percent honest That's but fair, he is fair. good <laughs> and i enjoy seeing lauren's tweets about him you're just trying to appease us <laughs> <laughs> all right whatever kayla what have you watched recently let me tell you about a little tv show <laughs> called law and order special victims unit <laughs> to sort of quote our best friend, John Mulaney. <laughs> you should watch a little program called Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Yeah, a show that I love, because on that show, you can say the grossest things you've ever heard in your life. So it recently came to my attention that all 19 seasons of Law and Order SVU are on Hulu. Oh my God. And sort of as a joke, I was like, Hey, Ben. It's like 2,000 hours of content? How's that work out? It's a lot. Oh, my gosh. It's a lot. But, yeah, so sort of as a joke, I was like, hey, Ben, guess what we're going to do? We're going to watch all 19 seasons of Law & Order SVU. And he was like, don't do this, please. It'll ruin our lives. So I hit play. (laughs) And you live on the street now. Yeah. No, but um, so it's, I mean, I, I grew up. Not grew up, but like in my teenage years, I went through a pretty- You were raised by Christopher Maloney. Kind of. I went through like a very heavy phase where all I watched was Law & Order SVU, Law & Order Criminal Intent, and Charmed. (laughs) Because they were all in syndication on USA Network, and they all played like right around the same time. So um, rewatching as an adult has been kind of interesting because I understand more things about the world now. Um- Still really love Olivia Benson and Elliot Stabler. Uh, the whole team is really great. It's kind of one of those things where, like, as an adult, it makes me kind of sad because I know that this is not how these cases are normally handled. And I wish that they actually were. And I don't know. I just think it's a really great show that does a really great job of being respectful of the subject matter and... In the earlier seasons, at least, I won't say it because I, I think I have never seen an episode past like 2006. But like mm-hmm. um, in the earlier seasons, at least, a good job of not sensationalizing or, you know, just like trying to be flashy or gross or anything. Not ripping for the headlines as much. Yeah, as for sure. Mean. Yeah. And I, I do just have to say this. Because as much as I love John Mulaney, I have some beef with him because that episode that he makes fun of in his set where he says that Ice-T doesn't understand sex crimes. What's so great about him is that he's been with the SVU for like mm, 11 years now, but he still treats every case like it's his first in terms of total confusion. That is not what happens. And I get that it's just for a joke, but like... 
Ice-T is actually a very good special victims unit detective. <laughs> and I feel the need to defend him a little bit because he does a good job like all the time. And in that episode, it's because it's not that he doesn't understand sex crimes. It's because sex addiction is the thing that has come up and none of them understand it and why it's bad. And so the guy is like explaining sex addiction to him. And he's like, ah, yeah. Like when somebody snorts too much cocaine, or bets too much on the ponies, <laughs> or it's like, and or that's too much chocolate. Well, and like, but like that's it. He only like he like he actually does say those words, but it's not in the context of like I don't understand what a sex crime is, and I just felt that he deserved a little bit of credit because <laughs> he's doing an okay job at handling New York's most sensitive crimes. Well, you see, Kayla, how comedy works. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. I get it. <laughs> but, like, and we just rewatched that John Mulaney special the other day, too, and I was kind of like, uh, you're being a little bit mean. <laughs> Does anyone say mop it up, though? No. Oh, says mop. Well, you know what? Like, a shitty... There are a lot of... The other thing that I will say about the show is that every person that they talk to does not seem to understand that they're talking to the cops. <laughs> like, they're like, hey, we need your help identifying this murder victim. They're like, ah, I don't got time for this. I gotta clean my restaurant. And I'm like, it is the cops and somebody is dead. You can't just like... That's part of the bit. They still need to keep stacking their crates <laughs> yeah, and it's just like wiping whole... the counter. Or not even. They're just like straight up unhelpful they're like hello we have a warrant for your apartment innocent bystander i'm very sorry but we have to look for evidence and they're like ah like, you. <laughs> maybe that's just how new york is you know uh, maybe that I is don't know. the stereotype that's been told to me all my life so <laughs> yeah and they're just rude and don't care so yeah so wow. we're about three seasons into this insane rewatch i'm not really sure if we're gonna get through all 19 seasons because that is like a lot. <laughs> Be sure to keep us updated every week. Yeah, in the like, you know, we actually have gone. I had to. I was. I was starting to have like. I knew that we had been watching it too much when I basically dreamed the plot of one of the episodes, which was like this guy was adopting out kidnapped babies that he paid money for and like in the dream i was investigating like kidnapped babies and i was like okay we gotta take a break from this for a couple of days because it's leaching into my consciousness but uh yeah the other thing that i've watched recently is also set in new york but is very different <laughs> and um i'm talking what about a transition <laughs> I feel like that's been my my last couple of episodes. I'm like, here's this horrible, scary, depressing, whatever thing that I watched. And then this thing, which is happy. <laughs> but um, I just watched the entire fourth season of Broad City because it was recently added to Hulu. The student has become the teacher. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. <laughs> and it was very good. <laughs> I loved it. I love Abby and Alana. I love watching their shenanigans. I am super happy to see the show kind of rising to the occasion of a more serious climate, I guess, and choosing to, you know, tie up some loose ends in the girls' lives and to talk about some political stuff. There was one episode where the cold open was them being uh, patient escorts at Planned Parenthood, which was just like a really great thing to see even just for a couple of minutes and yeah i think that that show is one of the greatest i don't know beacons of female friendship on television right now like they don't fight they don't talk behind each other's backs they're just genuinely very good friends who love each other very much and do everything like they support each other they care about each other it's just i don't know smoke a lot of weed together <laughs> 
She's a really good show. <laughs> Highly recommend, as always. Tyler, what have you watched recently? So I just watched The Ritual. You know, they have walking trails in England. Pubs. Come on, man. Where's your soul? Ah! Oh, oh, it's twisted. It's twisted. It is the brand new Netflix original horror movie that just dropped and is getting some really positive reviews. Uh, we're really I, interested in it after watching the trailer uh, before our previous episode, previewing 2018. We did not talk about this movie, but it was one of the last cuts. Uh, it's from David Bruckner, who's directed segments on several other horror anthologies like Southbound, VHS, The Signal. His, his segment on Southbound, especially The Accident, was my favorite segment on that and really promising. This, as I've said, is really good. And I hope uh, some of the hype it's gotten over the weekend since it drops uh, continues. Uh, I would not be surprised if this holds on to some like top 10 horror movie lists until the end of the year. I don't like love it unconditionally, but the, the technical stuff in it is really incredible. It, I think it's getting compared a lot to The Descent and Blair Witch, which are very fitting. It's the... <laughs> This group of four or so friends goes out into the wilderness, probably a little like, not prepared for what the horror that's about to befall them. And, uh, you know, friendships are tested along the way, simmering, uh, what is it? Simmering, tensions. <laughs> what, te simmering tensions explode with, under the, uh, the newly found, very explicit tension of the horror around them. And it, get, it goes to a place I really did not expect. The evil force that is terrorizing them, shall I say, is really well I, I really like the design and i really like the execution the scares um it just has tremendous atmosphere i love how he shoots it he has great patience and he really executes the suspense or like, he really draws out the suspense and then uh executes the moments uh the moments of actual horror and action really well uh the way it hot we get peaks of it's like, I complain about The Strangers a lot, how it gives you peaks of the villains in that, but only for the audience, and which can be effective, but I felt was overdone there. And here, there is a similar element of that, but you're only getting peaks of what the evil is. And the characters are also seeing it too sometimes, and it's and it's amping up the, uh, the unease for both the characters and the viewers. I just think it's really well executed and has uh, some tremendous, like, I really, I really like how it's paced. Like the character stuff and some of the thematic stuff, it's fine. It doesn't work as well as maybe like in The Descent, but it's it's a really well executed horror movie. It's with a really cool idea, and it will end in a place that you probably don't see coming if you're going in blind. Uh, yeah, I I really like it. I think everyone should give it a shot um, if you like horror movies at all. And it also reminded me that I like the new Blair Witch, but that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> oh man, I love the new Blair Witch. It was because it was fun. It was just really, really fun. I still haven't seen it. Is it on Hulu now? I it I was when I watched it last year, so I'm pretty sure okay, hopefully cool. it's still there. Cool. Um yeah, the ritual. Even though I talked about how it's suspenseful it is, or like how much tension there is and how uh uneasy it can be i really like existing in that wilderness it is really it reminded me of the witch with just how like the set design and everything they really kept like created a uh a setting and an atmosphere that really makes everything look better by comparison mm -hmm. uh it really complements everything else in the movie very hyped to watch it mm. probably like tonight <laughs> <laughs> no streaming on a netflix near you 
Uh, and so the other movie I mentioned, I watched. We only got one retweet today from your mom. Sad. I would like to say that Tragedy Girls was also featured on Faculty of Horrors Year End list. So. All right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> the director and I think the writer, the, well, the co-writers on it were just, I just listened to an interview with them on Shockwaves, I think about a week after I watched the movie, which was enlightening and I liked it. But uh, so The Tragedy Girls is a horror movie that kind of de debuted last year, but it's, all, it's one of those ones that's going to end up on year on list both years probably because it's only now available on VOD. It's a twist on the slasher genre in which to give away, I guess, the first five minutes, it is about these two, girl these two tragedy girls who have a horror podcast, uh, like a true crime horror podcast, and are basically, they're like modern millennial news hounds about crime. They decide that they're going to start making the news themselves, essentially. The satirical elements, come. it actually reminds me a bit of, they mentioned in the interview Breaking Bad, uh, like or American Psycho, it could be another one, where you're, wa like, you're watching it from the perspective of the tragedy girls. They are, are anti-heroes, shall we say, who are obviously terrible people because they're murdering people, but you love them and their friendship so much that you're kind of wishing for their success as they go on their little spree and create a lot of mania in their small town. Obviously, it uh, uh, part of if it's going to be effective satire, it needs to twist that at a certain point. But I find it is it functions very well, both as a horror movie and as like a comedy satire of the slasher genre. It's much more interesting than or it is an interesting take on a, a subgenre that has been very staid for a long time. It is very hard to make uh, actually not interesting, but novel. Innovative, yeah. Yes. It's really carried by the fact that its two leads are incredible. They are fucking delightful. They are electric. They are stars in this. And the movie is really carried by them. Uh, they are played by Brianna Hildebrand, who people will probably best know she, for being Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Deadpool and she has like an incredible pixie cut in this movie. I like wish I could ever do anything with my hair like that. You gotta grow with that buzz cut. It is incredible. Uh but and uh Alexandra Ship, who I don't think I've seen in much, but people probably best know her as she's the new Storm in the X-Men movies. Uh she was also in uh Straight Out of Compton. I think someone knew. Oh she was Aaliyah in the uh Aaliyah movie oh it's a lifetime yeah. yes lauren have you seen that <laughs> okay it is so disrespectful <laughs> to cast someone as olia and then have to get a dance double and then also make r kelly look like a hero like really like way to like double destroy like someone's like legacy like holy fuck fuck you like that pissed but she's yeah but she's i mean the woman she's a great actress but they had to but the fact is they could have just hired someone who can dance and like you know like it's just it was just really weird to me i knew that if anyone had seen that movie it would be you <laughs> i brought it up on the off chance it would happen but yeah but um she's apparently uh i from the interview, I learned that these two kind of knew each other because they're in the X-Men franchise together. So they've been to Comic-Cons together. And so they kind of got cast together and really took to it. And you could see that they have that tremendous chemistry blends into the screen because they are electric throughout. And like I said, really carry the movie. Uh, I think the movie is pretty, still pretty smart. And I think part of why it is very successful 
And I think this is what, like uh, an element that threw me off of American Psycho back in the day and why I need to revisit it, is that it is not obvious, or it is not, no, I don't know if that's the best comparison, but it's not too on the nose because in a way, the part of what it's parroting, satirizing and puncturing, besides just the slasher genre, is millennials and our reliance on technology. And it could very easily go terribly because that almost always goes terribly whenever any movie tries to do that especially a, a movie written by two dudes about two young teenage girls on their cell phones a lot, but it does not uh, over rely on that. That is more of an, an element of the movie and it is not, uh, and it is not directly outright villainized. I don't think, and it is not so on the nose as to say social media is bad. Young woman obsessing over crime is bad. It doesn't do that. And I think that is essential for making this uh, a pretty effect, a pretty effective satirization of different um, of different things as opposed to something that could be e very easily be tone deaf and very grating yeah plus you get like there's some fun uh small parts in there like uh, josh hutchinson shows up which josh hutchinson i really like the choices he's making in his career right now because it just seems to be fun weird stuff mm -hmm. uh craig robinson shows up uh, <laughs> uh but yeah it's uh it is a really well done movie, and I do think it's effective. I just had to had to wrestle with it for a while, after kind of digesting what the filmmakers themselves said about it and what other people, namely uh, not straight white dudes like me, uh, or just not dudes like me, basically, thought uh, <laughs> about as well, uh, has helped cement uh, what I thought about this movie. Very cool. Yeah, I really want to see that actually, just specifically because they talked about it on Faculty of Horror. So. <laughs> I'd forgotten they said that, which, I mean, it's like, I swear I did not just steal my opinion from Faculty of Horror. I do that all the time. They but... they straight up said that they loved it, like, right <laughs> off the bat, so there you no. go, you're good. <laughs> I, I, I did, both of these movies, I really liked them. You should make time for both of them. They are also drastically different. You get four middle-aged British men out in the woods, and, and then one kinetic, funny movie about two young women killing folks. I like both of it. these things. <laughs> <laughs> All of these things sound up our collective interest alley. <laughs> and I saw a lot of words yeah. to basically say it's funny, it's smart, it's well executed, it's a great watch, you'll have a great time. And also be maybe a little terrified. <laughs> so that's actually a pretty good segue into the movie that we're going to be talking mm -hmm. about today. Oh, are we here for something else? Yeah, so... Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So today, the movie that we are actually finally ready to talk about, after all these years of putting off, we've done two Christopher Nolan movies. I don't know where you're taking this bit. This is like the big. This is like the big one, though. I is feel this like. the big one? I think so. The one that like I thought some people, people would say the Prestige was the big one. Well, this is the one that like Nolan diehards. It's, it's their one. I feel like really. I thought this was the people who were didn't really like Nolan would at least point ah, to man. Memento. All right, whatever. I'm totally fucking this up. No, anyway. no. I think we have different perspectives on this, which is fine. Well, yeah. So anyway, the movie is Memento. Awake. Where am I? Some anonymous motel room. I guess I've already told you about my condition. Oh, well, only every time I see you. It's my memory. Amnesia. No, 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 no. It's different from that. I have no short-term memory. I know who I am. I know all about myself. I just... Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. 
I've told you this before, haven't I? What's the last thing that you do remember? My wife. Dying. My wife deserves vengeance. Doesn't make any difference whether I know about it. Just because there are things I don't remember doesn't make my actions meaningless. Memento is an early Christopher Nolan film starring Guy Pearce as Leonard Shelby, a man with extreme short-term memory loss, trying to piece together the clues that he has left for himself to track down and avenge his wife by murdering her murderer. And don't call him Lenny. (laughs) It's obviously a little bit more complicated than that, but I'm just going to assume that most of you have seen it, so you know it. This is one of those movies that I very much associate with Early modern film criticism? Yeah, yeah. It's one of those movies that I very much associate with watching in high school when I was, like, getting into film. Oh, yes. Capital F and, uh... The film bro starter pack, Memento, Fight Club. Yeah. uh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, it's one of those, like, dark, edgy movies that you kind of have to watch to, like, get your foot in the door, I guess. That's when you realize film... lowercase f is now film uppercase f yeah pretty much so i think it would be fun to kind of talk about like this is one of those movies that i think it's fun to talk about your first viewing or first impression of so lauren would you like to tell us about the first time you ever saw memento you chose memento too sure. yeah i did um i have a lot of strange feelings about this movie i watched it for the first time over the summer my with my mom because that's our thing and my therapist actually re- recommended this movie to me once people kind of like learn that I have PTSD, they assume that horror movies are going to be like the most evil triggering things for me. And we can't invite Lauren to horror movie night. And I'm like, well, clearly you know nothing about me or my brand, but okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, horror never triggers me. But for some reason, me- Memento, and I know it has a lot to do with the way it is shot, triggered me to like the ends of the earth. I was so upset after the first time I watched it. Um, like I was just in my room like crying and I couldn't like figure out why and then I went back and I rewatched it and I took notes and I'm like have this whole giant list of notes I'm like I'm like I like bullet pointed all of the like the parts that are super heartbreaking and super like the ones that I think about still like during the day while I'm showering like there's there's just so much packed in and my mom didn't really seem to care for it she was like well your father would probably like it because it's a bro movie and I was like it's not a bro movie mom like then again the same guy who are like yeah my favorite movie is fight club or they will always say like memento is like their second favorite so maybe it is a bro movie i guess but what what about it makes it a bro movie though if you guys could like i think the problem is not so much with the film and i feel this way about fight club too i think we had a pretty lengthy conversation about this when we did that as an episode i think the problem is that there are a lot of bros who want not to be lifting bros or strong bros they want to be like intellectual bros and they think that the best way to do that is to have really strong opinions about certain movies i feel that memento is a perfectly fine and good movie but as with all christopher nolan movies there's this subset of people that are dedicated to making sure that we are all aware that this is the highest piece of art cinema that has ever been created and it's like they they ruin the experience a little bit grade amnesia which you probably have never even heard of <laughs> as a woman and, uh, it probably <laughs> this really confusing thing where it has the structure where it's like 
going forwards and backwards at the same time. And I can see how a lot of people can't quite get on board. Yeah, with that. well, and that's the thing is like it's it's a it's a smart movie, and there's a lot in it and a lot to unpack to the point where I was messaging Tyler this morning. I was like, "There's a lot more to this movie than I remember because I hadn't seen it in a really long time." And I think with what I followed up with, it is like more complex than what we're used to. But I think part of what makes Christopher Nolan like actually great, I, I like like really like him as a director, is he kind of bridges the mainstream and the art in a way that can make everyone feel smart. And it is more complex than we're used to, but it is, he does it in an intelligent way that makes it pretty easily digestible. Like as long as you're paying attention, he <laughs> kind of like, he almost like teaches you a 101 of whatever thing he's doing. And mm-hmm. it, makes, it makes the viewer feel really smart. And sometimes the viewer then thinks that they are really smart. <laughs> I and think- really McNolan just has done a good job constructing it in a, a way that simplifies it yeah i think that him and david yeah. fincher are kind of on that same wavelength where it's not like a steven spielberg movie necessarily but it's also not like a shane caruth movie yeah. <laughs> also mm-hmm. it's that sweet middle ground that brings out some legitimate film fans and also the most insufferable film fans because there's a lot of great time yes. complex stuff about it but also you're not fucking special if you recognize that yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh lauren i'm super interested if you want to talk more about um like i don't know like what the movie evoked in you i guess and what it ended up like i guess meaning to because you did want to watch it again and you did want to do it for this podcast and i can imagine that might have been difficult so I feel like this movie has, but the heartbreak in this movie is a very particular, specific type of heartbreak that most movies like don't seem to kind of affect me. I don't know the the whole scene with um with uh Sammy Jenkins and his wife and her testing him like with the insulin shots and her having him inject her in different places over and over again to the point where like she overdoses and the fact that she was trying to prove like that he like whether or not he was lying about like um his amnesia and the fact that he he wasn't and then she ended up dying and he doesn't even remember that he that she ended up dying and like her like crying when that happened like i that the way that shot I just it kills me and I I think about it it's it's something that I when I watched it for the first time I didn't watch it for a few months but I was still thinking about that scene every single day or like it would flash through my head for a brief moment and I I'm not yeah I'm not sure if it if I feel like it's equal parts the way it was shot and equal parts just really good acting um on their parts but yeah that this movie makes me feel like so many different emotions like I'm angry and I'm frustrated especially with the whole angle of um like John G slash like Teddy like be like befriending Leonard like that's so fucked up in a way that I cannot comprehend and I took so many notes of like me trying to figure that out and everyone has like really cool um like theories about that online that I was looking at but oh my god just just him trying to be friends and with him and the all the intricacies behind that and the things he says to him and how he's trying to get him to kill the wrong guy but he's also pretending to support him um like that fucks with me so hard um there because there there are so many people like so many abusers who try to befriend their victims in that way in real life and so that kills me too and also the um the natalie plot uh like in the scene where she after he gets out of bed like she she kind of like pets like the bed like the space that he like left um because she knows that like he's not gonna remember her the next time they see each other there's just there's so many little intricate heartbreaking moments and i i don't i don't know i don't see those in a lot of like films like that so that makes sense 
And I think another thing that is really interesting about this movie, like I, the first time I saw this, I was in high school and it was right at the start of mine and my high school boyfriends. Let's get all these DVDs from Netflix and become film buffs, like capital F, capital B. <laughs> and I think we had, we'd already watched Following at that point. And Following doesn't have like a, the same plot as this, but it has a similar feeling of paranoia. And I think that the way that this is edited improves upon that feeling and it's funny because I, I was when I was watching it today I at first like 30 minutes in the movie I remember thinking wow the editing in this movie is way worse than I remember like it's really bad <laughs> and then like another 30 minutes mm-hmm. passed and I was like oh no it's not bad it's like bad on purpose because his brain is broken and now I feel like my brain is broken <laughs> I was like galaxy brain <laughs> it's not bad it's bad on purpose but it's not even bad but maybe it is bad I don't know they had such a low budget they were like what if we just took what we have and it's, we made it look like it was on purpose <laughs> it turns us all into Sammy Jenkins well I mean, not all of us but I, I feel like every time I come back to this movie I'm like I have forgotten everything that happens in this movie yeah like I'm reliving it again well and I think that it's also interesting there are so many different interpretations of the events of this movie even I think today I cycled through like four or five different things that I think might have happened because another interest so an interesting point that Ben actually brought up to me when we were watching it is he told me that for him the movie comes down to do you trust Teddy or do you trust Natalie and it's interesting because like i feel like both of those people's motivations are the ones that are like you know they're using they're each using lenny for something and it's kind of up to us to decide who is doing it selfishly who is doing it as a bad person oh so i didn't so you made it you made it well i have well i have two kind of thoughts i want to get into but one i think uh that has hadn't really hit me before this is that so often, like, and maybe this is because I had, like, had just been listening to the Tragedy Girls thing, which is another one about protagonists that are actually antagonists. So often in movies, uh, we are drawn to them. We want to root for them. Uh, even if it's Breaking Bad and it's, like, the worst guy in the world, you still kind of want him to succeed. And here especially, like, Guy Pierce is so beautiful, and he's out for justice for his wife. Like, we are so obviously on his side. And Joe Pant- Pantoliano as um teddy is so obviously crooked and slimy but then what you realize later in the movie is that um and it's complicated there's a lot else that goes into this but lenny leonard is also kind of messing up other people's lives and even though it's terrible that they're using him he has also hurt people with what he's doing he's killed multiple people or like uh with he took over like he killed jimmy and kind of took over his life and identity in a way which then got the mobsters after uh natalie who has to get out of this predicament that leonard put her in so she's using leonard but also we find out that he put her in that place in the first place he has murdered people in the past and he makes a conscious decision to go after the wrong guy which that guy might deserve it but i feel like it took like it took a few watches for me to digest this but leonard himself is a tragic figure but also not as clear-cut a hero as we kind of want him to be yeah as as we read him as for much of the movie Um, yeah well and it's also one of those things where it comes and again it comes down to like who do you trust like is teddy telling the truth in the end is he actually just a cop is he the john g like we don't like we as confusing 
as it is and as many like i think different interpretations you can take from the ending of this movie and from the twists that take you there i think also like we're just as confused and in the dark as leonard is yeah. like we have no idea who's telling the truth what is right and then it turns out that we can't even count on the notes that he's been taking the entire movie which like we were told were you know like the truth we've the been facts. told the whole movie not to believe teddy's lies yeah but teddy, it and teddy has been lying but even when Leonard chewed, like, we have, we believe that because Leonard told us that. But Leonard wrote a lie to himself in a way. Like, he fooled him, he intentionally fooled himself into thinking that Teddy was the John G. So the entire movie, we've been thinking of mm -hmm. him as this slimy guy we can never trust. And he might be telling the truth in the end. He's still a terrible person who has used Leonard to his own ends. Yeah. But, I, and we just have this, we've spent the whole movie thinking he is obviously the bad guy. And he's not the he's a bad guy, but not in the way that we thought he was. Yeah, and it comes like I Ben and I like ricocheted back and forth with like a bunch of different ideas. I was like, so is he like some sort of weird like is Leonard some sort of weird like crooked CI in a way where this dirty cop is just sort of following him around and using him to take out like drug dealers with JG JG initials? Like <laughs> you really got into some of these details, and I feel like I have the most obnoxious take, which is the same one I have for Inception, which is like in the end I'm like it doesn't matter which part is reality because the emotional arc is closed with Leonard choosing his reality and finding peace in his choice. Mm -hmm. But then that's not fun. I... That's not fun to go off of. <laughs> and there's so many different ways you can watch this movie. And, and I feel like for just like the way, the way I like keep seeing it, it's like, I want to believe that the, the shitty thing about this movie is that you can't trust anybody Movies like that and shows like that are so frustrating when there are really no, there's, there is not one redeemable character, except for maybe like the hotel guy, but not even him because he like, he like tricks him into like, like booking like more than one room. But I, it's like, I want to believe, each time I watch it, I want to believe that, like, Leonard is a good guy, and then I want to believe that Teddy is a bad guy, and, like, the way, and the way I always see it is just, like, the real-life thing of, like, the abuser, or, like, befriending the victim thing. Like, that's, that's how I always, like, see it, and I know that there are, like, four other ways to watch this movie, but my, my brain just reverts back to, aw, Leonard. Yeah. Like let me let me help you. Like I know, yes, you go, you tattoo that shit, baby. Like And I feel like that's kind of I support you. A purposeful feeling that we're supposed to get. Like because I, I think mm -hmm. I sat there, I was like, Well, is his wife like even dead? <laughs> was like what I was stuck on. Because like I, again, I hadn't watched this movie since high school and I had forgotten a lot of it. So that when Teddy throws that your wife survived the assault thing out there, I was like, whoa, what, what do you mean? And then there's like that shot at the very end when he's in the car with his eyes closed, where it flashes to him having that I've done it tattoo on his chest. And I'm like, is that real? Or is he just imagining that? Or like, did that happen? And he just decided it wasn't good enough. Like there's so many things where I'm just like, what is the truth? <laughs> yeah, when when Teddy says, he's like, oh, I've just been using, we killed the real attacker a year ago. I've just been, like, using you ever since. Like, that's so fucked up. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, uh, obviously it's wrong to make people do things even if they won't remember them. 
Yeah. And I just think it's crazy that like both him and Natalie have that same exact thought process where they're immediately like, mm-hmm. hmm, this guy won't remember anything. I'm just going to do and say whatever I want. And it's so bizarre to me because like, I cannot imagine like treating somebody that way <laughs> and just like to go so far as to like get them to do your dirty work and to, you know, continue to kind of like gaslight them into thinking that they have this purpose and this calling to revenge, I guess. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. Insane. <laughs> then even Lenny, like when he, Leonard, when he finally gets his call him Lenny, uh, when he finally gets his triumph at the end, like it feels good, but it's really twisted because it is kind of him. Whether Teddy was lying or not, he said that will te- that Leonard will always have another John G. He'll always find another John G. Mm-hmm. And we see mm-hmm. him. Maybe he gets the idea from Teddy, or like at least in this iterate this day. He, this is the how he got the idea this time, but he is, he's kind of making a heel turn there. Like Teddy's a bad guy. It's mm-hmm. a moment of triumph for the guy. He's going to, he, we see he gets what's coming to him. And this is when like the decision is made to get that vengeance. And, but uh, it's still unset, like it's very unsettling and then almost like, um, well, to just watch perverting. him like, yeah, to just watch him like methodically go through and be like, okay, this is now my car. I'm going to write that this guy's a liar. And like, the, and it's really He's using himself the way other people used him. Yeah. And it's really sad because uh-huh. you want like the whole movie, you're thinking like, okay, if he gets this guy, it's going to be okay. And like he, his but life like, will as obviously, okay as his life will yeah, ever like get. obviously his life will still be hard, but he will have accomplished his goal. But then you re- like, when you realize that he's willing to make this like, cause this is what matters about his life. And then he's willing to go to those lengths to continue to have that purpose and that drive. It's just so soul crushing. <laughs> cause it's like, Oh man, like he really, that's it. Like there is like, that's it. That's his whole life forever. So he's just going to keep finding these dudes with these mm-hmm. initials and killing them. <laughs> which kind of brings it back to what Lawrence started this with, which is something I know. Like, I guess I, I guess I keep saying the thing that hit me this time, there are three like main things that hit me this time. One of them, um, and Lauren talked about how much trauma is in this movie. And I think this movie kind of gets talked about a lot as one of the more human Nolan movies, because we think of him as like this, uh, emotionless puzzle master mm-hmm. uh but the, there actually is a lot of humanity in this in that there's like there are just small moments of it uh, part, like part of the reason we love guy pierce is he has that winning smile and how he interacts with people he doesn't recognize and trying to push pull open doors and so it only directly addresses it a few times but it's really it really hits you when it does which is he will never digest fully digest what has happened to him he will never work his way through trauma there's a quote in the movie somewhere i do not have it exactly written down but it's i bet i do is it the one about time like when (laughs) how how am i supposed to heal if i can't feel time yes i I had that written down in my first set of notes and and i'm like that might be the quote of the movie because it illustrates it like it's almost like in the background and it is only foregrounded in that moment but it is like the core of this entire story well and it's really it and it rings true because if you if you truly and he really doesn't have a future there's no way to move on with your life and there's no way to ever get over that because for all he knows it happened yesterday every day for his entire life and that was the other little thing that struck me was when he's talking about how we take some memories for granted, like how he knows how picking up the coaster is going to feel and he knows how knocking on wood is going to sound, but like not really. And that's one of the things where it's like, I, 
you would never think about that unless it was taken away from you. Yeah. I think it also helps like seeing this movie as we're older and have lived more life. It's interesting. Like this movie can mean, I think it's part of why this movie is so lasting for his legacy, at least one people keep going back to Besides, I think it's really good, but also more so than certain other movies. I think uh, it resonates you with you and like different parts of it resonate with you in different ways, which is, and which is also kind of astonishing because it seems like his simplest movie in a way. Um, another thing, uh, I I feel like from the last time I watched it to this time, I definitely feel like my feelings on Natalie have shifted a little bit. And a, a lot of what you said definitely plays into that because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this bitch. Like, <laughs> and, but really though, when I'm sitting here and thinking about it, this guy killed her boyfriend, mm-hmm. rolled the fuck up in his car and his clothes. And even still... It's so weird to me because even still, and doesn't even remember doing it. Yeah, and well, that's her life into chaos. well. So here's the thing: is like I don't, I don't think that Natalie knows that he killed him. I think she legitimately think thinks so that Teddy either. did it, and so that is yeah. why she's able to have that sort of compassion for him. Because if you think about it, she doesn't like she doesn't actually. The only reason she says all of the horrible things that she says to him is to get him to hit her. Like, and then yes. she never talks to him like that. Like after she realizes he actually has a memory problem, she take like she takes the beer she spat in away, and like all this. Like she's very nice to him. She invites him to her house. I mean, she sleeps with him. Like she is looks again, like Lauren said, legitimately pretty heartbroken as she realizes he's really not going to remember. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that my first interpretation of the film was that she was like kind of a callous bitch. And on this turn, I'm like, her entire life was just thrown into chaos. And this strange man who can't remember anything is like really the only clue that she has. And so I think that she thinks that if he takes care of Teddy, that is, you know, also avenging jimmy so i think that she thinks that they can kind of work together to meet their common goal yeah she absolutely does not know that uh that he killed jimmy she's there's one point where she looks at him and she says we are both survivors that that part like i like had to replay that a bit so that that's just like it's just like honey like he like he he's the reason why you are like going through this right now like and it's like double tragic because he doesn't know that either and, I think <laughs> and she like recognizes that and he's like try like he is trying to help her like completely oblivious to the fact that he's the problem and i think that is like the one good point that teddy kind of makes is when he's like how many times are you going to do this how many towns are you going to go to and like how many people are you going to affect you know and i think that's definitely a part of like the difference between watching this movie as a 16 year old and watching it as a 25 year old and just like having lived a lot of life <laughs> like i it's a lot easier i think as an adult to be more sympathetic to people who are doing what they have to do whereas when you're a teenager you kind of have that sort of i would never do such a thing because i know that i would always do the right thing no matter what no matter how hard like you know like when you're a teenager it's a lot easier to conflate right with like I don't know, like legally right. <laughs> I think also just with yeah. watching it the first time, if anything's going to stick with you, it's not that like it, it goes over very quickly that like, oh, the reason she's in like involved at all is because like Jimmy, because Jimmy's dead, they think she stole the money. And like her character arc is changed by information that is that goes by so quickly and kind of so late in the movie that mm-hmm. it even uh, like we, we just forget that. Well, and that's the thing that I think what I initially was starting to peg as bad editing, I eventually decided like that is kind of on purpose because there are a lot of details that I forget about this movie in between viewings and a lot of details that I was forgetting like as I was watching it, which is 
I feel definitely a, a good narrative device because obviously we're with this protagonist who is forgetting things as they happen. But it's it's one of those things where it's like, man, every time you want to rag on Christopher Nolan, like <laughs> there's he's he really thought of everything like he's really on top of it <laughs> i don't know it's like right uh, all the stuff we hate about the culture surrounding him like he didn't manufacture any of that besides just making the movies we just hate the people who fetishize what he does yeah yep 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 <laughs> well we will still rag on the imdb for loving no one though yeah yeah I, didn't, I haven't seen Dunkirk though, so whatever, whatever, or really <laughs> any, really any Christopher Nolan movie besides Batman in this one. I think actually, if I'm being I really his, his first movie following again, so it's following is another one I haven't seen since high school, but I remember really liking it at the time and think like that's the problem with like I think that Christopher Nolan has a lot of those like when I was in high school, I thought this was like the most mind blowing thing I've ever seen, whereas now I'm like this is very good. I will now watch other things <laughs> like you know like it's, it's not like a show it's not like a show stopping life-changing experience for me anymore and I think that's like kind of a good thing I think that Christopher Nolan is a really good like gateway kind of to like actually getting into film seriously and like wanting to learn about stuff because like we said before I think he's that really good gap between like film a <laughs> and pop pop art I guess it's also difficult because I think it depends on the movie because he's not <sighs> When we think of negatively of Christopher Nolan, sometimes his movies are those things we describe. Mm -hmm. Other times they surprise, well, and so, so and surprise we, you, and you forget that. Yeah, and if we wanted to compare, it, like I think that this movie and The Prestige are his two most similar movies, and I think that Memento is a lot better than The Prestige plot-wise. There are parts of this movie where it's confusing and where you're not sure, but I think that if you were to watch everything in order and really piece it together, it wouldn't be confusing. And because this movie still works, even if you know the twist, it's still tragic and interesting and you know like a a good story whereas i think the prestige once you know the twist it becomes it unravels the whole movie behind it because you think okay. of like, you're so you're so stuck on thinking about how fucking ridiculous the plot is and how like how, like there are a lot of weird plot holes and weird things in the prestige and so i just think that that's one of those cases where like this was the thing that he really did and like wanted to do it again but in a like in a bigger budget arena and kind of biffed it like i think he gets ahead of himself a little bit sometimes i think the prestige is an interesting place i, I like the prestige more than most of his movies i like the prestige a lot too but i do think that like once you know the twist of it it's not as good of a movie anymore i think that is because with memento uh you feel the human characters more and they feel much uh, like feel like real humans even if it he doesn't go through some of the showy obvious stuff we're used to in movies with developing character and all that he does that in a much more a very effective understated way here whereas some of his movies uh do not have as much of that and are there's too much showmanship or too much plot or like other things going on that get all the focus and sometimes mm -hmm. the characters are left a little underwhelming because of the TLC put into everything else. Yeah, and I think that can be an issue with a lot of Nolan movies as well, where the story suffers for the sake of the puzzle. <laughs> like with The yeah. Prestige, like, I mean, slight spoilers, but a lot of the emotional weight of that is dependent on you caring about the women in that movie and how the, like, the men relate to the woman and care about the woman. And it, do, it does not do a good job by the woman. So uh, when that is kind of, besides obsession, the defining human element of those characters it's kind of uh 
if that does not work, it kind of makes the characters not entirely work outside of obsession. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I actually was reflecting on a little bit on this rewatch of Memento is that, I mean, I noticed in the flashback in the diner when he's talking about his wife and like really feeling it, I noticed that a lot of the scenes that she was in were kind of like her being annoyed with him. And mm-hmm. so I, I started to wonder if maybe he as Natalie says, recites the words so much that so that he can think of her as like this idealized thing, as opposed to like his actual wife who like kind of thought he was a prick and got annoyed with him sometimes. And, you know, like that kind of thing. And (laughs) well, I was like joking with Ben. I was like, she's like his old, like she's like the ultimo manic pixie dream girl because she's just gone. (laughs) So he can just decide that she was whatever he wanted. And then that will just become true to him. And it made me so sad (laughs) because like a real nuanced, serious relationship is about like all of those things. It's about being in love with somebody and caring about them. But it's also like, sometimes you want to like, sometimes you're mad at them. Sometimes you're annoyed. Sometimes you are just, they do a little thing and it's so irritating to you. And I think that it's such a sad thing to have that part of it completely excised or, you know, purposefully erased from your memory. Leonard spends, especially early on, and I really like how he does the exposition in this movie, actually, I think it works really well, but uh, he talks about how the unreliability of memory, and he uses that to kind of not, like, defend how capable he is, even though he doesn't have a short-term memory, mm-hmm. but that can also apply to his long-term memory, and it seems like he does not consider how infallible his long-term memory is, because he can fashion, uh, like, he can recall like when you keep recalling these old memories they like change they fluctuate like memory is not solid and Mm -hmm. he's so aware of that with the short-term memory but it doesn't really doesn't really address it with his long-term memory at all yeah well and especially when it's something you specifically want to remember fondly like that memory will become rosier and rosier over time (laughs) but yeah and i so like for instance for the fallibility of his long-term memory did his wife have diabetes? Like, do we think that she was diabetic or that Teddy was just fucking with him and trying to convince him that like he had done that, you know? And is he Sammy Jenkins? Was there also a Sammy Jenkins? Do they both have the same? My theory on this is I think there was also a Sammy Jenkins. I think that his wife probably had diabetes, but I don't think that like she, I don't know. I don't think that he like insulin her to death. I think that what happened happened but i don't know it's a it mix of both truths yeah it's so yeah i think it's like a mix of of both things this yeah i'm obnoxious i'm like it doesn't matter what matters is his decision at the end where he chooses his own truth yes but i am still like <laughs> his wife as a character in the movie is not really a character and she is so much like just an object of fascination so it is interesting to me to wonder like so did he get the first guy that like assaulted her and broke into their home and get this like i've done it tattoo and then she was still with him and was like okay cool great glad can you just be normal again and then when he wasn't just normal again she just you know got fed up and left or like what happened like i would much prefer to think of her as like a character with agency who like recognized that the situation was only going to become more unhealthy and was able to leave rather than her just be like blanket definitely dead (laughs) but i'm also like maybe that was just him imagining you know getting that tattoo and like feeling that way with the memory of his wife i don't know (laughs) that's an interesting perspective i hate this movie now 
<laughs> there's just so much going on there's, so many layers there are six <laughs> there are six different ways that you can interpret this like it's it's there's it's so much it is so much but i'm just gonna stick with my like back and forth of like well like well leonard sucks but also like please let me hold you you're very sickly looking i just <laughs> i want to give you new clothes yeah I was reading that he was like 230 pounds before this movie and that he had to lose like a ton of weight for the role and he just like did it in a couple of months so that he would look super emaciated. Yeah, I, I, was like, I, I, like, I, do, I do kind of like emaciated Guy Pierce though. It's true. And I was trying to I was trying to think like what else that is this interesting has Guy Pierce like ever been in? I was in? gonna bring this uh-huh. up. I'm like, where has Guy Pierce been? He's been working. He was in like... all three Fifty Shades of Grey movies. That's <laughs> unfortunate. Uh, he's the villain in Iron Man Three. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's uh he plays Peter Wayland in small bits of the new alien movies. Oh right. They put a lot of stuff on in, him. Yeah, caked in old age makeup. Can you guys uh, can just... you guys Google him right now and look at the first photo that comes up with the glasses? Can you do that yes. for me? Nice. Listeners, Google Guy Pierce. Yeah. Everyone together, Google everyone, Guy. And then just look at that Open first the incognito window. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, it's the image that's on his Wikipedia. Oh man. Like what <laughs> what is that, everyone? What is that? What happened? Really just like it's like two different people. Wow. That's How, bizarre. Like once upon a time you were sexy. What, the second oh. picture is like not super flattering either. It's <laughs> gonna say partly because the picture right next to it is like still pretty like it's more like academic sexy guy Pierce. Yeah. I, I just like so I just, it's, you can't trust the paparazzi photos, you know? <laughs> I, there is, I, yes. But even the professional shoots that are like recent are like, oh yeah, okay, what happened? Get Basa. How, how can I He's help you? Paris Van Houten. He exists like a normal human being in the world. You know, he ages like a. I mean, he looks like he should age like Brad Pitt, but he just ages like. Yeah, I feel like Brad Pitt like did some voodoo where like a lot of people in Hollywood are his like Dorian Gray pictures, <laughs> and that's why he still looks this good. Like he had some periods with facial hair, where it's like I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's trying to ugly himself up, but that's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah, not- I was like, I really like Guy Pierce. Where has he been? What like, and he's been in stuff, but like, what not he like a lot of stuff. stuff. I don't know. He's what just is- made some choices. Iron Man three villains not like super bad, but yeah, he is in all of the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. I think is like the bad guy kind of maybe. I'm not. I- I don't Maybe remember. I have watched one. I, I don't watched. remember him being in the first one, but I also cannot say that I was watching with like great diligence. Wow, Guy Pierce has a Twitter. <laughs> okay, before we get too far, super off track. Do we have any final closing thoughts about Memento and or Guy Pierce? <laughs> Why doesn't Carrie and Moss have more work to do here? You know, I feel like these two are really actually a good couple for that. Like, yeah. Carrie and Moss should have had a lot more stuff, and I, I don't know. Now I'm like paranoid every time I think of like a woman who I really like who's been in like who was in like a big movie in the '90s and then never had a career again. Really, no, she's been working. She's, like, she's on Jessica Jones. Yeah, no, no, I know that, but I'm just saying like I just feel like she's like a somebody who should have had like a much better oh, yeah. career trajectory. Yeah. And yeah, like yeah. now every time that happens, I'm like super paranoid that like something happened and that uh-huh. it's like career sabotage or something, and that makes me really unhappy and uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's unhappy and uncomfortable. The story of this entire movie. <laughs> that that's that's actually a really good tagline for it. 
<laughs> but yeah, so any, are we, does that feel wrapped up? Do you have any final thoughts, Lauren? If you have, if you are someone who has experienced trauma or you have a type of mental illness that like has triggers, I would, I would carefully watch this movie or watch it with someone or don't watch it alone. Um, or maybe don't watch it at all. I don't know. It, it is very, it is, it is a lot. And, and, but I didn't cry after this rewatch, which was nice, I guess. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I love this movie because I don't know what the fuck is going on exactly <laughs> um, yeah. we all like I, we have theories as to what we think is going on that could literally all be correct like the movie can be watched however you want to watch it and i think that's really really cool and really unique so mm-hmm. it's very good writing <laughs> and i think that that's like a thing going back to your point about like being careful when watching movies when dealing with trauma i think that's like one of my favorite things about podcasts is there are a lot of movies that i like kind of want to watch but I know are a bad idea for me to watch and it's just so much nicer to listen to people talk about it instead mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I hope that maybe we can be that for you <laughs> yeah podcasts are a recommendation for the day yeah <laughs> listen to podcasts <laughs> discussion on memento thank you so much for listening we're going to go into some fun i'm going to give you the trivia of the week which is that most of the um (laughs) most of the narration recorded on top of the scenes (laughs) by guy pierce was actually improvised which i think is so crazy when you think about how much like we how much information we're getting from those and it makes me really interested interested in knowing what the like writing collaboration process process was between Christopher Jonathan and I guess guy <laughs> just to like keep everything you know within canon and within what a first name guy yeah guy. <laughs> I would be so annoyed if it. my parents named me that like me guy uh, is that like uh is that me like uppercase G or is hey, that uppercase G like that guy over there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Tyler, do you have our stat for the week? Yeah, I was double checking it, but uh, we talked about how many movies uh, Nolan has on the IMDb 250 because it's basically all of his, and it is continues to be basically all of them. Uh, I believe it is currently at eight because Dunkirk is also on there. Of course it is. I think Dunkirk should be much higher. I think it might be his best movie. Yeah, I don't think it, it's like one of his top three movies easily. I'd say even top two. It's really good, and it should be a lot higher than some of his other movies, but it's, like, near the bottom. Mm-hmm. But it, there are eight total. Is and... Dunkirk the one that Harry Styles is in? Is. Yes, and that is why I will watch it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, see, I know things, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> we are on the right. pulse. <laughs> No, I, I think it is important. We make fun of Christopher Nolan and about IMDb people liking Christopher Nolan so much in this podcast a lot, and I think that it is fair and good to reiterate we like Christopher Nolan. He's just not the best director of all time. <laughs> like, y'all need to just chill. 
A little bit. If Annihilation had been directed by Christopher Nolan, it would be getting a giant release and a huge advertising campaign worldwide. If only. Is that the, the new Portman one? Yeah. Yes. It's directed by the guy that did Ex Machina, and it's had the most ridiculous rollout of all time. It's going straight to Netflix everywhere except the U.S. Oh. So bad. Well, so what happened, we talked about this a little bit last week, but what happened was they decided that it was too smart for audience. And they were like, you have to change the ending. And Alex Garland was like, fuck you, I'm not changing the ending. (laughs) And they were like, fine, I guess that's okay. Let's delete all of this marketing stuff. (laughs) Yeah, so. Uh, Do we all have a recommendation? I literally completely forgot that that was a part of this podcast until right now. (laughs) I sure don't. (laughs) Do we want to just skip that this week? Unless, Lauren, do you have a recommendation? Because I am struggling to think of something off the top of my head that I would recommend as a follow-up to this. Yeah, I, I, I will say that after, I, after you're gonna, if you're going to watch Memento, I would make sure you have like something happy queued up like right after. Nice palate yeah, cleanser. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think actually the best way to do recommendations this week is just to say maybe like watch something good afterwards. Like good feeling good, not like yeah. good quality good. So I knew there was a movie, like, so I had an idea for a couple puzzle box movies, because I enjoy puzzle box Cube. movies, but I'm like, they're not like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, coherence, like, that's not good. So I, I'll, I'll be honest, I cheated and Google movies about memory, just because I was curious, and was uh-huh. cheating and doing a shortcut. And then you have Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, actually, Eternal Sunshine of My Spotless Mind would be my follow-up recommendation yeah. if you wanted to immediately, like, want to die. Yeah, it's like the opposite <laughs> of the feel-good part, but it's, like, in terms of movies about memory and all that. I've never seen it. The next one is Fifty First Dates. Oh, my <laughs> God. God. Uh, technically, Fraternal, it shares the same... Fraternal twin of this movie, I guess. <laughs> and then after that, Total Recall... Oh my god. I just watched Total Recall, like the original one, or Total Recall with Colin Farrell? Okay. Actually, that that actually. I think the one with Colin Farrell would actually be a better follow up watch since it's like more serious. No. Than the OG. But it's so much worse. Yes, but. But it's so much worse. You're not wrong. (laughs) If you want to watch another movie about a guy who's just in his head the whole time, the entire movie, and we're just following him thinking his thoughts that are actually incorrect thoughts, watch Moon. Have you guys seen Moon? Yeah, I saw Moon a long. Moon was one of my uh, Becoming a Film Buff movies. Holy. Sam Rockwell, right? Yes, holy shit. What an upsetting one. The first time I watched it, I didn't like it. And then the second time I watched it, I was like just bawling and bawling and like, oh my God. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I think that that is probably the best, like, the best follow up recommendation. That is a really good movie, and it is wild. So we workshopped Moon as our collective recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. This is what podcasting is all about. Yeah. <laughs> we Next episode, we will be super prepared. So thank you so much for listening to our discussion of Memento and our workshopped recommendations <laughs> for what to watch after. Um, we remember to pray for everything else except for that. Except for it's that. a surprise every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually literally since we came up with that i think every week it's like every week since we started the podcast it's been a struggle to come up with that anyway um if you would like to talk to us or chat with us you can add us on twitter at ltrfi pod if you have a long form suggestion <laughs> or just need to have a long talk you can email us at ltrfi pod at gmail.com as always if you would like to be a guest on our podcast we would absolutely love to have you we are so hype on having guests 
what if they want us to be guests on their podcast? Oh yeah. Uh, I don't want to speak. I'm always down for that. Are we all collectively down for that? <laughs> I'm yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. If you, we love if you, talking. If you want me to, <laughs> if you want me to lift my way through your podcast, how oh, yeah, I'm available. Yes. I'll even remember the format. Probably. <laughs> yes. So as I mentioned last time, February is women in horror month. We have a couple of cool episodes. We're going to do one next week. That's going to be all three of us together our like collective one. And it is, I'm going to keep it a surprise, but it's going to be a comparison contrast, a uh, like kind of career retrospect on a director that I think we all really like. I really like. And then our, real like super super women in horror is going to be me and lauren and undetermined guests <laughs> talking yeah. about the talking about the love witch at the end of the month so i know that it's not like really horror but i it's valentine's it's horror ish it's by one of the smartest women that i have encountered in my life and who i love to follow and whose work i would love to showcase so and I'll also be there quietly listening. Else. <laughs> and I will be sure that I don't totally fuck up all of the recording. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so those are some things that you can look forward to in the coming month. And yeah, we are super excited to have had Lauren back on as our regularly scheduled podcast host. We missed her dearly. Yay. We're talking about her in like the second, third person. Like she's not right here, but it's cool. Um, oh, yeah. She's still there? Oh, God. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, again, thank you so much for listening. And fuck, what did we come up with as a... Oh. You've been coming <laughs> no. up with new one every week. I remember the new one is um, thank you for listening. And Battle Angel Alita is the worst thing I have ever seen with my own two eyes. You got to come up with a computer <laughs> is it? Is it really? I love the, I love the manga so much. Lauren, okay, cool. Now that we're done, Lauren, you have to, I will find the timestamp in our last episode. I need you, I literally had like a brain aneurysm on microphone because I love those manga so much. I was so upset by that trailer. <laughs> they gave her anime eyes, Lauren. Do you describe yourself as Kayla describes herself, which is a medium internet famous? No, Lauren's like upper tier medium internet famous. I'm just like half <laughs> upper internet famous. Upper tier medium internet <laughs> famous. Yes, you're in that like sweet spot of like not really being viral, but still being like popular and recognized. Whereas like every once in a while, somebody like notices my stuff or gets into a fight with me, <laughs> which is not the same thing. <laughs> I'm going to put yeah. that in one of my bios on something. I'm trying to figure out which, <laughs> which social media. <laughs> I can describe the movie if you want. Okay. I have it. I'm ready to go. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Are you going to do it backwards? We're going to do a blank check. <laughs> no, that's not how you do it backwards. Uh, you start with the, and that's what we thought about Memento. Oh, I was just trying to like recite words backwards, but it's really hard. Okay. <clears throat>